Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2 is we're going to continue in our series uh, on faith, love, and hope as we look at the Thessalonian believers um, there in Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And um, we're going to look at verses 13 through 20 this, this morning. I don't know if we're going to get all the way through uh, those verses, but if not, we'll pick back up next week and finish it up. But it, look, it starts in verse number 13 of chapter number two. The Bible says this, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things for of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins alway, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Verse 17, but we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. This morning, I want to preach on the subject, a growing church, a growing church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. God, we do love you. We're so thankful for the time that we've had to sing your praises. As uh, Clay said this morning, God, we go through so much. There's trials, there's tribulations, but no matter what we have going on around us, it is well with our soul. Because we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. God, we thank you that we have this wonderful privilege to come together with other brothers and sisters in Christ and and just sing praises, Lord, to, to glorify you in song. Lord, we do pray that as we get into your word this morning, that you would help us to look at our own lives, examine our own lives, examine our own church. God, see that if we have these facets of a growing church that Paul mentions and alludes to here in this passage of Scripture. God, I pray that our hearts are open and receptive to what you have for us. God, I need you this morning. I pray that you would give me the words to say, that Holy Spirit, you would fill me. God, we just want you to be honored and glorified through the preaching of your word. We want you to be lifted up. And it's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I kind of want to just give you just a little bit of a review to catch you up to where we are here in verse number 13. In chapter number one, Paul begins to write this letter to the Thessalonian believers. And he writes and he, he greets them and, and, and mentions that, hey, 
we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we are a part of the family of God. We're all in this together. Um, we must understand that Paul was just with them for a very short time. Paul was only in Thessalonica for, uh, many people believe, three weeks, uh, three to, or maybe a month at, at the most. And he was driven away from the Thessalonian believers. And so he missed them. He, he wanted to be with them. But he, he speaks in chapter number one of how the gospel had impacted them for the good. They, they were the imitators of Paul and Silas and his team and imitators of the Lord Jesus. But now they have become the examples. Uh, they were sounding forth the gospel in chapter number one and verse number six. They were, uh, they were this, this model church for other churches around them. Other churches were looking to them. In chapter number two, verses one through six, Paul then reminds them of how he came to them uh, and, and his, his team. Uh, they came to him in a, an authentic way. They were authentic in their gospel ministry. Even though they had suffered in Philippi, they've been thrown into prison, they were beaten. Even though all that, they went to Thessalonica and still preached Christ. They were, they were doing it even though they were suffering. They were uh, sincere in their motives. The reasons why they were there was for their own good, to give them the gospel. They were there because of their love for people. Their ministry was driven by love. In verses 7 through 12, like we talked about last week, Paul speaks of their goal, what they wanted to accomplish. And that was to establish a disciple-making community there in Thessalonica. And how they ministered to the Thessalonians is how we should in order to establish a disciple-making community. They were gentle and affectionate. We as a church need to be gentle and affectionate toward one another. If we're going to have truly a disciple-making community, we must extend our love toward each other. Not only that, but they, were, uh, they wanted to give more than receive. They wanted to be contributors instead of consumers. If we're going to be a disciple-making community here at Fellowship Baptist Church, we all have to start contributing. There's, we can only take so much in. We, uh, we must, uh, instead of just being consumers, we must contribute. But also, uh, they weren't hypocritical. What they, they preach, they practice. And that's important for us to do. We can sit up here and say one thing, but we must live what we preach. We must live what, according to the word of God, for those that are looking to us. But also, they wanted uh, to, uh, they wanted to encourage one another to replicate, to make more disciples. And as we come here to the last part of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number two, we're moving really into probably the warmest section of any of Paul's writings about the love and the affection that he felt for his fellow Christ followers. Paul reassures them that what they are doing, the way they are ministering is right. It's the right way of doing things. But when you do things the right way, you will experience some growing pains. Um, you're, you're going to have your highs. You're going to have your lows. There will be persecution, but the Christian life is worth all of that in the end. I remember growing up as a, as a kid, I would have uh, growing pains, and I'm sure you did as well. And I had a lot of them because I'm six foot five, so I was growing a lot. But anyways... I remember uh, just going to my mom and I was complaining about my knees and my legs and they were hurting and, 
And my mom would always say, she would begin to rub my knees and make them feel better. And she'd say, hey, listen, I know this is going to hurt, but it's for your own good. You're going to, you're going to grow into a, a man one day. You're going to grow. It's for your own good. And, and Paul, uh, understand in this passage of scripture, he shares with the Thessalonians the facets of a growing church. Some of, of these facets have some pain that is associated with them. But, but Paul, he doesn't mean here a growing uh, church numerically, but spiritually. And my desire for Fellowship Baptist Church is that, yes, we do grow numerically, but it's a result of us growing spiritually. Amen? That's, that's my main goal. For us here, that's our, my desire. I hope it's your d- desire this morning that we grow spiritually. So what does a spiritually growing church look like? And I believe Paul shows us here some facets of a growing church. In verse number 13, we see that number one, it allows God's word to work. A growing church allows God's word to work. Look at verse number 13. The Bible says this, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God, which is which he heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now the Bible uses the word receive here two different times. And if you study it, it is two different Greek words that are translated receive. The first receive literally means to take up with the hand. It communicates the idea that the word of God is to be taken by us, right? We're to receive it. We're to take the word of God. But the second receive that we find here in verse 13 goes a step further. It means to welcome eagerly. You could say accept, to accept. When we receive the Bible, we're saying that we acknowledge its authority, we acknowledge its power, and when we accept it, we're allowing it into our hearts so that we can be changed by it, is what he's saying here. This is what the believers did. They accepted the word of God and and the authority of God's word, the power of God's word, and they accepted it and allowed it to change them. Paul takes this one step further. In the last phrase of verse 13, he says, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The power of the word of God is tied, listen, to a believing heart. The power of God's word is tied to a believing heart. You want its power to work in your life, believe it. When you read it, when you receive it, believe it. And it makes a difference. It changes you on the inside. Though the Greek word translated worketh here, which is where we get our English word energy. The, the word is energized within us. As we believe the word of God, it energized, it is energized within us. It's like a farmland that reaps a great harvest. When we hear the message outwardly, when we read the message outwardly, and we welcome it inwardly by faith, it will rejuvenate us and produce a spiritual harvest in our life. That's how the power of the word of of God works. Paul said in, in Romans chapter one, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation Here it is, to everyone that believeth. To the Jews and also to the Greek. 
You see, the Bible, the Word of God, if it's going to make any difference in your heart and in your life, you must read it and believe it. Because its power is tied to your belief. The Word of God is very powerful. I love, uh, in, in Sunday school, someone, an individual mentioned Psalm 119. They've been reading it. Psalm 119 is probably the clearest Old Testament scripture about the beauty and power of God's word. Almost every one of its 176 verses has a reference to the word of God. I just want to list just 10 ways that the Bible does its work within us when we believe it. The word of God tells us what to do in verse number five. The word of God cleanses us in verse number nine. It keeps us from sin in verse number 11. It gives us life. In verse number 25, it strengthens us. In verse number 28, it restores our hope. In verse number 49, it comforts us. In verse number 50, it helps us not go astray. In verse number 67, it guides us. In verse number 105, and it brings us joy in verses 162. What does that show me? It shows me that the word of God is everything that we need. Everything we need. And if we're going to be a growing church, we must allow the word of God to work in us. We must allow it to energize us. Listen, Hebrews 4.12 is probably the clearest New Testament description of what the Bible can do in our lives. And that is, it says, for the word of God is quick, meaning it's alive and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Many of us in here today can give testimony of how God has used his living and active word to speak directly to your needs. Can you say amen this morning? Has God been able to do that in your life as you read the scriptures, as they come to life, as they're active and alive in your life? And you see, when God's word is in us, our attitudes and our beliefs change. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. It changes us. When we hide it in his word, when we accept it, when we receive it, when we believe it, it makes a difference. And a growing church allows God's word to work in their lives. I've read a number of books. I've read books on the spiritual life. I've been to conferences. I've heard messages preached. I've preached messages. There is nothing more important than maintaining a consistent, regular, quality, individual, quiet time with you and God and his word. There's nothing greater. There's nothing that will make more of an impact in your life. If you're trying to live the Christian life with just one church service on Sunday Sunday mornings and you're no longer in God's word for the rest of the week, you're in for it. There's no growth in that. You can go through the motions, but there's no growth. The word of God must work within us. You see, in order for God's word to change us, it has to be in us. Amen? Some of you are, are morning people. Raise your hand if you're, let's participate this morning. You're a morning person. If you're a morning person, then you know what? It's probably a good idea for you to read God's word in the morning. Who in here is a a late owl? They like to stay up late. 
I, I think I'm neither. I don't like the morning or night. You're a laid out. Listen, then maybe that's a good time for you to read God's word before you go to bed. Make sure that it is a part of your life. Make sure that the word of God is effectually working within you. Because understand that that is when we understand uh, that a, a, a growing church is a church that allows God to work in them. But the second facet of spiritual growth, it isn't a fun one to hear. To the extent that we experience the power of God's word within us, listen, we will collide with a world that rejects it. You understand that? When we allow God's word, when God's word is working in us, I can, you can say it another way. When you believe the Bible, you're going to have enemies. When you believe the Bible, you will have enemies. That leads us to point number two. A growing church has enemies. Verse number 14. Look what Paul says. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. These new believers in, Thess in Thessalonica not only imitated Paul and Silas and Timothy, and the Lord Jesus Christ as referenced in chapter one, verse number six, but also they emulated the suffering that the churches in Judea went through. That word countrymen is a very unique word. It's only used one time in all of the New Testament. And it means, uh, it has the sense of the people closest to you. Some of you can relate to being looked down upon by your family members because of your faith. Some of you in here today can relate to maybe, maybe you've been passed over for a promotion at work because you're a Christian and you stand for things that they are against. Listen, one of the evidences that God's word continues to work within us is the fortitude that believers experience when persecution comes in their life. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 13, verse 21, he said that there are some who run at the first hint of hard times in their life. He said this, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. You see, the Thessalonians though here, they endured suffering. They didn't bolt when they faced hard times. They stood firm. They didn't bail. They stood strong in the face of persecution. And let me say today, church, that it is helpful, helpful for us to remember that we're not alone when it comes to persecution in the Christian walk. Understand today that there is solidarity in, in our suffering. Believers all around the world are experiencing affliction much more than what we face today here in America. You understand in every generation, there has been Christians who have known persecution, who have known martyrdom. And we must remember the truth of Philippians 1.29. It says, for unto you, it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. It says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Well, us Christians in America, whenever we face a little bit, there's even a slight, there might even be a hint of persecution on its way. 
we automatically think, oh, that's the end. Jesus is coming back. And understand that is very true. Jesus could come back before we even finish today. I believe that. And we are to be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing. And we're to be watching and we're to be waiting. Don't get me wrong. But just because we suffer doesn't always mean that Jesus is coming back. It could mean that the word of God is effectually working in you. Because the Bible says here that, that the, the, a growing church allows God's word to effectually work in you. And what that leads to is suffering. So the next time we suffer in the Christian life, let's not get all Debbie Downer about it. Let's say, hey, thank you, Jesus, for this suffering in my life. Thank you for this persecution in my life because it's a sign that your word is working effectually in me. A growing church has enemies. Paul expounds upon these enemies in verses 15 through 16. He says this, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God and are contrary to all men forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. We read about these, those who killed Christ, the Jewish people. For the most part, the Jewish people wanted nothing to do with Jesus Christ. The Jewish leaders handed him over to the Gentile authorities to have him crucified. And Paul says, also, they persecuted the other prophets. They persecuted us. Paul's recently coming off of persecution, isn't he? He was beaten, thrown into prison in Philippi, and now he's driven out of Thessalonica. He says, they've all, we've all been persecuted. And because of the actions of the Jewish people, Paul says in verse number 15, that they displease God. They are contrary to all men. As the people who should have recognized the Messiah as the Jews who, who should have welcomed all of those who wanted to come to Jesus in faith. The Jewish leaders actually worked at keeping not only the Jews from hearing the gospel, but also the Gentiles. And because of this, verse number 16 tells us two things about God's judgment on such people. The Bible says to fill up their sins always. That's an interesting phrase. That phrase means to fill to the brim meaning that God will only take so much sin. God will only take so much sin. When the time is up, God's patience will come to an end and judgment will fall. He says his wrath is come upon them unto the uttermost. You see, when Jesus returns and he raptures the church, he will unleash a time of tribulation and judgment upon those who, re who refuse to embrace the Messiah. Friend, don't ignore and don't reject what God says. There is a limit to his patience. But do you understand here, the incredible thing is, is that Paul talks about all this persecution. But we find in other scriptures, Paul, even though he was hurt, even though he was mistreated by his countrymen, he still loved them. After all, he he was Jewish himself and, and so was Jesus. But look what he says in Romans 9, verses two through three. He says that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. 
He said, specifically, he, he made a desire, his, his desire clear. In Romans 10, 1, he said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. What an incredible thing. Yes, he had enemies. He had people that opposed him. He had people that beat him. But he said, my desire is still to love them and so that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. He had a love for them. Church, we will have enemies if we allow God's word to effectually work in us. But we must love them. There's no room here at Fellowship Baptist Church for us to look at the lost world. And yes, they do some pretty, there's some things that are going on in our world today that are just sick. But we must not despise them. We must continue to love them. We must continue to love them. And, under, and also, listen, understand that we don't have to worry about getting revenge or justice against those who oppose us. Because God and his, and his excellence will take care of them. He will take care of them in his time, in his way, and according to his will. See, a growing church allows God's word to work. And when God's word effectually works in us, we will have enemies. But then number three, and this is going to be our last point for this morning, desires, a growing church desires Christian fellowship. A growing church desires Christian fellowship. Look at verse number 17. He says this, but we, they, they were persecuted. They were, they, were, they were facing some difficult times, but he says, but we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. As we learned last week, Paul dealt with the Thessalonians with a gentleness of a mother, right? He also dealt with them with a firmness as a father. But here, the phrase being taken from you is a very powerful image that literally means when we were made orphans. So what Paul is saying here is that, hey, I was a mother and a father, and now he feels like a child who has been ripped away from his parents. Orphaned from his parents. Remember that Paul had stayed in Thessalonica for just a few weeks, but because of the intense persecution and opposition, he was run out of town, but he always planned to return to finish the job that he had started. Even though Paul was not able to go back, he never really left them in his thoughts. He thought about them all the time and his longing for them was very intense. You see, the Christian faith, how do we apply that to our life? As a growing church, the Christian faith must be centered on a passionate, all-consuming relationship with Christ. Amen? Jesus first. Let me say that first. Let me say that again. The Christian faith must be centered on a passionate, all-consuming relationship with Christ. But it must not be lived in isolation. We need each other here at Fellowship Baptist Church. We need each other and we should never settle for casual relationships with other believers. You know that we're called to do life together. We're called to do life together. We are called to care deeply for each other, to pray intensely for one for, for, for each other, to laugh together, to cry on each other's shoulders as we live in authentic community with one another. Church, we need each other. 
We need to be praying for one another. We need to be encouraging one each other. You know, there are people going, going through some difficult times within this room today who are going through health issues, who are going through uh, uh, relationship issues. There are people who need help. And a growing church desires Christian fellowship. Let me say this, be careful about getting into the habit of spotty worship service attendance or of pulling back from other believers. Be careful. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more the day, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We need that exhortation more today than we ever have. We need that Christian fellowship in our life. And a growing church desires that. See, much of what we are called to do in the Bible can only be accomplished as we function in deep friendships with fellow believers. I did a quick search online of all the one another statements in the New Testament. And it reveals to us just a few things I wanted to read. We are to love one another in John 13, 34. We are to be kindly affectionate one to another in Romans 12, 10. We are to be of the same mind, Romans 12, 16. We are to accept one another, Romans 15, 7. We are to admonish one another, Romans 15, 14. We are to salute one another, Romans 16, 16. We are to serve one another. Galatians 5.13, we are to bear one another. Colossians 3.16, we are to encourage one another. And 1 Thessalonians 5.11, we are to have compassion one to another. And 1 Peter 3.8, and we are to offer hospitality to one another in 1 Peter 4.9. All of those things cannot happen if we're not together. In a growing church, I don't know about you, but I need encouragement. I don't know about you, but I need uh, love. I need, I need uh, to be able to serve one another. I need encouragement. I need hospitality. We need those things. See, we, we have many people here at Fellowship who are involved in, in small groups or Sunday school classes at Fellowship. And for those of you in a group, you've experienced the beauty of Christian community. I love coming to Sunday school. I love hearing what, how God is speaking to each other, how we can encourage each other, how we can exhort one another in the word of God. And listen, let me just encourage you. If you're not in one of those groups, you don't know what you're missing. Be a part of something like that. Desire Christian fellowship. Desire it. If we truly are going to grow here at Fellowship Baptist Church, we must have that desire. A growing church desires Christian fellowship. I have two more points, but we're gonna, not going to get to them this morning. We'll pick it up next week. But listen, if we're serious about growing, are you serious about growing? Both hands, feet. I wish I could do both. I can't do the splits. Are you serious about growing at Fellowship Baptist Church? Spiritually growing. If we are, then we need to start allowing God. We need to first get in God's word and then allow it to get in us. 
because its work is only going to happen. It's only tied to our belief, to our faith in it and allow God's word to begin to work. And when we do that, we're going to see some persecution. We're going to have some enemies, but don't let that scare you because it's part of the growing Christian community. We will have enemies, but in the midst of our opposition, let us desire to have Christian fellowship because that we need that in order to grow as believers in Jesus Christ. Will we grow in our faith here at Fellowship Baptist Church? Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information, check out fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.